Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Got a fun show for you today. We're going to talk about the Blazers game against the Houston Rockets on Thursday night, a 104-101 loss. What we learned from that one and what it kind of tells us about the Blazers where they're at at this point in the season. And then I want to close the show in the third segment with a fun thought experiment sent in by a listener uh, asking sort of about where Damian Lillard stacks up, looking at sort of his big picture production versus the other stars in the league. But let let us start in Houston, where the Blazers kicked off a six-game road trip with a 104-101 loss. There was some news out of this game beyond just the final score. Derek Jones Jr. has a uh, sprain in his left foot. So sprain his left foot. He had an X-ray, came back clean, but he didn't close the game. He was not on the court in the final in the fourth quarter. Uh, he he pretty clearly injured it early in the game and then stayed in, but uh, couldn't couldn't finish the game after that. And and really just add it to the list, right? Uh, it's Robert Covington missed this game, a second straight game he's missed after uh, sustaining a concussion on Sunday evening against the New York Knicks. The Blazers are now down or finish this game, rather, down four of their five opening night starters. Only Damian Lillard was left. CJ McCollum, obviously, and Yusuf Nurkic gone for several weeks, but Covington didn't play in this one, and then uh, Derek Jones Jr. not available down the stretch. It's going to be hard to win games when you're when when you're down this many um this many players. I, this isn't necessarily like, I don't want to say injuries are the reason why the Blazers lost, but this team was supposed to be deep. That was supposed to be um, its strength. And it wasn't like they're so deep that they can do this. It was more that they they would have different options and be able to send waves and be able to be productive with their top, you know, top eight or nine guys. But now you're reaching deeper into the bench and you're saying, hey, we need real, real good minutes from Harry Giles. We need real, real good minutes from Nazir Little. Um, you know, he's not playing much, but it's like it, you'd like to be able to get that. Or Anthony Simons, who was who was out of the rotation when the season started, we'll remind you, he was kind of playing spot minutes and he was he was not not regularly part of the plan each night, is now, you know, their second most important offensive player. It's the... I, I don't want to use injuries as an excuse because every team deals with injuries. This season is particularly um, going to be challenging in terms of rosters being shorthanded, but it's, it's part of the story. It's an undeniable part of their situation. So I don't want to dismiss it as a non-factor. It has exposed who they are, and I think that's really what this Rockets game showed us. And what I want to talk about in these first two segments is, I think we know who this team is. Uh, if you if you're regular listener to this podcast, you know that I pegged today's show for when I would either when I would panic. Uh, I, I a couple weeks ago I said you know after the after the Indiana Pacers game we'll we'll really learn about this team. But then Nurk got hurt, and then CJ got hurt, and it was like, well, we don't know about this team because we just we need to wait. And obviously, in, the injuries have continued to pile up a little bit. But I, I pegged today on la, on a show I recorded last Friday or posted last Friday rather as sort of the when I would decide whether it was to panic or not. And I don't think it's time to panic by any means. I think this team's fine. I think this fine if you have different expectations. If you thought this was a championship-level team, or even if you thought this was a championship-level roster, I want you to recalibrate. I, I'm, actually, I want you to scream and be mad and fan how you fan. There's no wrong way to fan. But I think it'd be more realistic if you recalibrated. Because, simply, this group is now not not sort of Dark Horse Championship or Dark Horse Western Conference team, and that they're, they're can they be a competitive playoff team? Can they get into the playoffs? 
Can they fight? Can they fight in a, a crowded Western Conference and make the playoffs? That that is sort of the recalibration now. And I think I why I pegged this particular day was mostly mostly because of timing. I think Saturday's game will be equally illuminating, but I wasn't going to promise you a Sunday show. I want to do a promise you show during the week. So. I'm not freaking out yet. I'm not panicking. I'm not, I'm not, you know, screaming for them to bring in free agents and make major trades and fire the coach and all that. If you are, that's okay. Um, like I said, there's no wrong way to fan. But for me, from my perspective, I think, I just think this team is decent and competitive, but with real flaws. And I think that's what we saw against the Houston Rockets. Like for, in a lot of ways, this Rockets game was, showed us exactly what we know this team to be. Damian Lord was fantastic. Very, very good again. 30 points, 9 assists, 4 boards, made 5 of 11 threes. Didn't get to the free throw line a ton, but dealt with double teams and was smart at the end of the game for the most part, except for a couple of... Um, two bad late turnovers in the fourth quarter. He was... But he had been pre- pretty good against pressure defense. Gary Trent Jr. was electric, doing what he does, which is make a bunch of shots and not really do m- much else in the box score. But he had 23 points and hit 7 threes. He was huge when the Blazers were down double digits. Portland raced out to a 20-point lead in this game, and I know a lot is going to be made of that. I, I just, I know, because people love round numbers. But if the Blazers had only led by 19, they still would have blown a big lead, but we wouldn't have this cool round number, the first 20-point lead that they've blown since 2017, and the first time they've blown two 20-point leads in a season since X and X date. Sure. But the way the NBA works now, when they were up 30-10 to 10 and the Rockets were shooting you know, 14% or whatever it was. I believe they started one for 10 from deep, uh, one for nine rather from deep. It's, it's going to catch back up and it did catch back up with him. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not screaming about the blown lead as much as I'm just saying they, they, they were in control to some extent early, but you're never in control that early in the game. And then they battled back to put themselves in contention with a pretty talented Rockets team. Like, I think this Rockets team is also going to be sort of battling for one of those final playoff spots in the West, considering their roster. Uh, and to have a night where Damian Lillard was really good, Gary Trent Jr. was really good, and Anthony Simons came off the bench and, and continues to look like someone who can play offense. He can't really play point guard, um, but he can play offense. So he hit four threes. Uh, he's He's... He's a, a valuable offensive part for them. Like I said, maybe their second most offensive player because he can score off the dribble and they don't really have a bunch of other dudes who can do that. Speaking of Simons and Trent, let's just stick with the positive here and we'll talk about um, the sort of the troubling signs of what we know about these Blazers. Here's what we know. They're 9-8, and eight, 17 games in the season. They have a superstar point guard who is... Uh, capable of keeping them in nearly every game. They have two young guards who are very capable offensive players. Simons and Trent Jr., when they get it going, can really shoot. They have a a center who, despite his challenges, remains an an elite interior scorer. That core in and of itself, like if they shoot it this well... You know, they made 17 threes tonight, 17 of 41 from three. If they shoot it this well and they get this type of, you know, 30 and 10 game from Dame, they're going to be in most games. And I think the recent production of Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. is a 
bodes well for them moving forward. Gary Trent Jr., who coming into Sunday's game hadn't had consecutive, uh, Monday's game rather, hadn't had consecutive games with double figures, he's now had back-to-back 20-point games, 22 against OKC and 23 against Houston. Like I said, he's he's not exactly filling up the rest of the box score, but he can really score, and he's a, he's at least a competitive, interested defender. Simons, who was, like I said, out of the rotation earlier and maybe not... Um, and, and because he didn't deserve to be, it wasn't like this. I don't think this was sort of bad coaching. I think this was like, we've got better players than you. Um, has put together three straight games in double figures. 16 against New York, 26 against the, the Thunder, and then 14 tonight against Houston. I think you can build off this. Like, the Blazers are undermanned. And the idea that Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons are so important to this team's offense, it just tells you what you need to know. But if you're looking for... I don't even want to call it a silver lining. If you're looking for obvious positives that the Blazers can move forward with on this season over the next month as they try to sort of maintain is that the two young guys who you're really counting on to develop look like at least the things that they're good at, shooting and scoring, they seem to be consistently getting being good at. The weaknesses are obvious too, but we'll we'll get we'll get to those next. I just think Dame is fantastic, and and you're getting good production from the young guards. You're headed. You're going to be. You're going to have an offense that's good enough to keep you around in most games. Not win it outright for you by any means, but keep you around. And I think those are. I I think even if you're not searching for a positive, it's undeniable that those that those two look better, and that Dame is still who he is. So, what I want to talk about in the second segment is. We know who the Blazers are. That's the rosy side, but there's they have some obvious shortcomings too, and that's what we'll talk about in segment number two. Is the what we saw against Houston that are their obvious shortcomings? We're we're 17 games in. We know what this team is. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about RockAuto.com. You know RockAuto.com. It's the family business that's been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They get everything you need. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks. And it's all delivered directly to your door. Plus, the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all... It's those prices because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so you know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. Are you looking for a quick-hitting, wide-ranging sports podcast? Of course you are. You're listening to this podcast. You love the quick-hitting, wide-ranging sports podcasts. So why don't you check out a show that's new to the network? It's called Locked On Today, hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. And it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so we talked about what's who the Blazers are on on the positive side. They're they're a team that has some, some intriguing young offensive parts. Uh, they also have a top ten player, which always always sort of helps. But 
like I said, I was I was marking this this sort of day down because we we need to at some point you got to take stock of who this team is. And I think after these couple games, and particularly in the Rockets game itself, you kind of just know who they are. Like I said in that in that second segment, and I've and I've repeated a bunch now is they got some they got some dudes who can score. They can fill it up, but they obviously have some some issues, and I think those came to the forefront in Houston, and those are going to stick with them. This the, These are not new trends. This isn't something I'm saying, hey, I noticed this against the Rockets, and it's a big deal. This is, hey, we noticed it again against the damn Rockets. Can you believe it? The, the obvious one is that they're just not a very good defensive team, and I don't know where that gets better. Uh, if you play Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony 30 plus minutes because you have to, and, and quite frankly, you look at this roster, they have to, y'all. You can't, you can't play Nazir Little 25 plus minutes a night and be a competitive team. Rodney Hood isn't, isn't consistent enough to do that either. Harry Giles is, doesn't deserve those minutes, quite frankly. I mean, you just, those dudes have to play. And if you play those two guys and Damian Lillard, how good of a defensive team can you expect to be? And the answer is probably not that good. And that's who they are. This team is a bad defensive team. Um, You can scream about scheme and coaching and all that stuff. And certainly the coaching staff deserves blame. Because they were supposed to be a good defensive team when they were whole. And when they were whole, they were still a bad defensive team. This isn't only a personnel issue. But at this point, it's an undeniable personnel truth. This team, Ennis Cantor is strong. And he's often close to the right spot. But he's slow. And if you put him in traditional pick and rolls, he can get burned. Carmelo Anthony has got great hands and occasionally comes up with fun blocks, but he is not an elite lateral moving defender who can lock guys up. He had one great defensive play against a Christian Wood in this Rockets game. A direct post up to Wood, Carmelo Anthony says, Dog, I'm extremely strong, and Wood could barely turn around and turn the ball over. Fantastic defense by Carmelo. But that is the exception to what we've normally seen. And the truth of the matter is 17 17 games into this season, this is a bad defensive team with one maybe above average defender on the roster right now. That's Gary Trent Jr. Derek Jones Jr. belongs in conversation, but he got hurt today. We don't know his future. So if you're just thinking about who's going to be probably available on Saturday against the Bulls, it is a bad defensive team. And that is just the truth. That's who they are. It's who we, it's who, it's who we were worried about them being, and I pushed this to say, let's wait, let's wait, let's, let's, we'll know more in the future, we'll know more, we're in there, we've reached the future, the future is now, we, this is the present. They're a bad defensive team, it's just true. And um, while, I, while I understand the sort of like, hey, we want to see them be better, we, the coaching staff isn't getting the most out of them, I agree with you, but I just want to be realistic about who's on the court. I, I, I mean... I don't want to make personnel the only excuse. I just want to make. I just want to. I just want to recognize the personnel reality is that the Blazers they they have to play bad defenders to get to to put their best players on the court, and so this is who they're going to be. They're going to have to win the game on the other end, and so that's why the other end is where I'm actually concerned. In the fourth quarter, the Blazers were down by double digits against the Houston Rockets, and they came roaring back on the strength of a couple quick turnovers and hot, hot, hot shooting from Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons. Those dudes can play. I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by what they bring to the offensive end, at least as shooters. But in that same stretch, Anthony Simons had two terrible turnovers, uh, just bad decision-making, one where he threw a pass... Uh, that he was anticipating that never opened up, and another where he barreled down the lane for a charge. 
And he's the Blazers' best ball handler on that unit. He kind of has to play point guard. They, I know that Neil Olshay said, uh, Anthony Simons is our backup point guard at the beginning of, of the year. But what he meant was, Anthony Simons is our third point guard because we're just going to play CJ all those minutes. But we're at emergency point guard range. We've reached the point where the emergency point guard is the second, is the, is the backup. And Ant isn't capable of doing that. And what Terry Stotts had promised us, or what he said he was going to try to do, was going to install more movement sets on that second unit, was to see them move around more and, and run more motion stuff. And in the first half, and particularly when they first get on the floor, you see them commit to that. They run, they run multiple actions. Uh, in that fourth quarter, though, after that hot shooting, the Blazers got incredibly stagnant and had five consecutive bad possessions. And they went kind of how you would expect. Down one with about nine minutes left in the game. Anthony Simons missed a pull-up three. Then on the next possession, Simons committed a charge. Then on the next possession, Gary, Gary Trent had a terrible turnover getting trapped on the sidelines when he just dribbled too many times. Then on the following possession... Rodney Hood missed an ISO where they just threw it into him at 19 feet and said, go to work, and they watched him. That was two minutes of just just nothing on offense. And that is the problem that you see with this team, is that, uh, that Stotts had promised us this movement, and they do it for a little bit, and then they get away from it. And that's both on the players to not committing to it and on the coaching staff. I don't need Terry Stotts to call a timeout every time they have a shitty possession, but when they've done it three in a row, you'd love to see him stand up on the bench and say, He's a really great whistler. I'm not going to try to do it, but do the really great Terry whistle and get them into something or at least ask them to do something. If they don't do it, they don't do it. Like I said, coaches only decide who's on the court. The players have to execute, but this they just stagnate too much. And they made, they made so many threes, so many big shots to come back from that double-digit lead. And then they got into a familiar role where the offense just absolutely stagnates. And I'm, more, I'm harder on the second unit doing it because when the... Uh, Blazers front like first group starting group whatever it is I mean, if it's not just the straight up starters but if it's it's the team that has Damian Lillard on the court if they get stuck in isolation well Damian Lillard is isolating and he's extremely good or if they're just running simple high pick and rolls Damian Lillard is one of the best high volume uh, pick and roll players in the league I believe he was fifth according to synergy numbers last week on, on Friday evening so the second unit, the onus is on the second unit to move the ball more, to move their bodies more, to run stuff, and it's on Terry Stotts to coach that team to do so. Uh, St- Simons isn't capable of running the offense the way Damon Lillard is, not even close. He's, he's just not a point guard. So you have to run more creative stuff to, to, to get the ball out of his hands, to, um, to make it so he doesn't have to break down his own, his own man, create a mismatch, swing, swing, and get into, get into an offense. You can't just run a simple uh, high pick and roll, like a, what I'll call a drag screen from the D'Antoni days, just like a, a pick and roll in transition, and expect that Simons will be able to take advantage of what the defense does there, manipulate, and get it going. You just have to run better stuff. And I think that's the problem with this team, is that they were awesome on offense tonight, except in the moments that they weren't, and those two minutes where they really stagnated didn't cost them the game by any means, but it was a big it was a big moment with those four or five consecutive possessions that were all empty and all bad shots. You know, uh, bad threes, bad turnovers, and a couple post isolations, one for Mello and one for Rodney Hood. It's just if you run bad offense, you're going to get bad results. And 
even if the shots go in, running bad offense continuously is just unsustainable. So I think this is all part of the big picture of who this team is. They have some really tantalizing offensive parts, but when they run bad offense, it doesn't matter. Uh, you you just it, they just can't they can't maximize this team if they don't run good offense. Gary Trent Jr. and Amphrey Simons nearly bailed this team out just by being great shot makers, just by making making tough shots. You know, it's that that's that's kind of how the league works is that sometimes guys are good, even if the if the the way they went about it is bad. But if they're going to be a bad defensive team, which they are, they need to be a sharp offensive team. Um, I'm not worried about uh, the iso aesthetics when Damian Lillard has the ball in his hands. I'm specifically worried about it when the when they have a less talented group on the court. And that's what I'll keep watching. I mean, this like I said, 17 games in this team is what it is. They're an offensive team that stagnates and they're a defensive team that struggles. If they can be slightly sharper on offense and defend enough in the final few minutes of close games, even just come up with a couple lucky rebounds and a couple lucky tips, they can steal some games on this, the rest of this road trip. There's definitely winnable games ahead starting with Saturday in Chicago. But I, I, I pegged this game as the sort of we'll know about this team. And I think everything I've said to you in this first 20 minutes of this podcast is what we know. I mean, this is just, this is their identity. This is who they are. And where they move from here is about sharpening their, what they're capable of being better at. I don't think they're capable of being this, you know, elite defensive team, but they're capable of being a a better, smarter offensive group more consistently. All right, that's my 17 games analysis big sort of using the Rockets game to to zoom out a little bit as I am want to do in my approach to game recaps but what I want to do to close out the show is this interesting thought experiment sent in by a listener uh talking about where Dame stacks up among the game's elites compared to other all NBA guys so that's what we'll do to close out the show a look at uh at where Dame ranks among the best of the best but before we get there I want to tell y'all about Bet Online. Look, there are NBA games every single night. So if you're looking for an online sports book, there's one place that we trust and one place that's got you covered. It's betonline.ag, and you can sign up today for a free account and use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Look, like I said, the NBA is in full swing and also. We're coming up on Super Bowl Sunday, or if I'm not allowed to use that phrase, we're coming up on a big, important football game that decides the champion of the NFL. It is, as I've said, betting season. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Those good folks are making the best tasting protein bar ever. That's what it is. It's just the protein bar that tastes better than all other protein bars. I got a box right here. I could reach them from my desk where I'm recording this right now. Some of my personal favorite flavors are German chocolate, banana bread, and toffee almond. But all the Built Bar flavors, all 18 of them, are covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. They come in, they've got a candy bar-like texture. If you're someone who has um, tested out other protein bars, you know they can be chalky and dry and gross. That's not what Bilt Bar is. Bilt Bar is making delicious protein bars. And if that doesn't sell you, what if I told you they're good for you too? Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. 
So go get your hands on some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. It's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. We talked about where the Blazers are at 17 games into the season following a close loss to the Houston Rockets. A game they played pretty well and just came up short. But this that game, that game and the, the first 16 that came before it kind of showed us who this team is. We know the deal. And I wanted to sort of recap what I believe this team's identity, their shortcomings, and their strengths are in the first segment. But now I want to move forward to uh, a fun little thought experiment sent in by listener RW. Uh, This was sent in as part of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag segment that I record on Monday evenings and post on Tuesdays, but it was a little too big of a question to fit into the mailbag. Mailbag is already a little overflowing, y'all. It's a popular show, but this question was just like a little too big, so uh, I moved it here so we could kind of discuss it. And what RW writes is the following. I was wondering how Dame's record compared to his other peers over the last five years. Here are the only players to make four of five all-NBAs, all-NBA teams over the last five years, and those that I would consider Dame's contemporaries. Giannis, LeBron, Harden, Kawhi, Steph, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. RW notes that Giannis has made four of five, LeBron five of five, Harden four of five, Kawhi 4 of 5, Steph 4 of 5, KD 4 of 5, and Anthony Davis 3 of 5. RW, also in this email with wonderful research, also notes the win percentage of those. Giannis Antetokounmpo has won 59% of his games. LeBron James, 62%. James Harden has a 6-4-4 win percentage because those Rockets teams have been very good. Kawhi Leonard, a 70.4 win percentage. Steph Curry, 77.9. Kevin Durant's won 72.3% of his games. And Anthony Davis, if you uh, take out the year that he kind of didn't play for the uh, New Orleans Hornets, the New Orleans Pelicans, I don't know if that's fair, but that's what we're doing here. He won uh, 52.4% of his games. RW notes, of guys that made All-NBA four out of five years, Dame has by far the worst record. Uh, Anthony Davis made it three out of five, so he doesn't count, I guess, in this, in what we're doing here. As a matter of fact, he's only averaged a projected record of 45 and 73 over a five-year period. RW wonders, if he has that level of talent, shouldn't their record be better? And if not, whose fault is it? Is it his? Is it Stotts? Or both? What are your thoughts on this semi-mediocrity? So, so I like this question because it, it goes deep into sort of deep into researching and deep into sort of uh, contextualizing numbers, which is totally right up my alley. So RW, thank you for sending along this, this interesting thought experiment. My main take is a couple things. One, uh, 45 wins in a f- over five years in the West is pretty good. Um, my other thought here is that other than Giannis Antetokounmpo and at worst second best player of all time, LeBron James... All of these dudes have played with other stars. Harden has played with Hall of Famers in Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. Westbrook has his shortcomings, but he was an All-NBA performer uh, as recently as last season while he was Harden's teammate. Kawhi Leonard, uh, obviously those... uh, the Spurs teams just are always very good, and and if you go back further enough, he played on pretty loaded Spurs teams along alongside a fellow All Star in Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, along with late career Tony Parker and just a, a, a 
a talented Spurs roster, a team that was, you know, really, 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 really good. Uh, and then in, in Toronto, obviously, he didn't play. He played with another all-star in Kyle Lowry, but he didn't play uh, with all NBA guys. But again, that roster was pretty stacked. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant played together on maybe the most uh, talented team of my lifetime. So at least the most talented team since the, since the turn of the 21st century. So, uh, you know, them pairing up kind of maybe skews a little bit of of comparing like individual records since their teammates and Anthony Davis has been on teams that are worse than Damian Lillard and wasn't really hailed as this like true super duper star MVP candidate defensive player of the year until he teamed up with another all-world type guy like LeBron James. My point is this, is that one, I think semi-mediocrity is too harsh, but I get your point. This isn't a... Damon Lord has not been on teams here that have consistently won 50 games. That is, that is undeniable. And I think the 50 win mark is kind of the um, kind of the sort of threshold for you think of like really good NBA team. Undeniable. Definitely factually true. Um, I'm not even trying to really debate that. But I will say this, that... Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James are pretty clearly in a tier above Damian Lillard. So comparing, saying he's worse than those guys doesn't seem like a slight to me. I would probably argue that Kevin Durant pre-Achilles was also in that sort of, um, in that realm, right? Like he was, he's, he's at that tier. And having Dame be a tier down from dudes who are going to win MVP... Uh, doesn't it doesn't seem that insulting to me this or doesn't seem like that big of a slight right um so we're more talking about like where does he compare with Steph Curry who played on an insanely talented roster with the Warriors or specifically kind of James Harden and Kawhi Leonard and I think what the difference is here is that Harden Harden's Rockets were fantastic during the regular season because they did what they did really well like I said Harden played with better players Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are better than CJ McCollum has been CJ McCollum might be better than both of those this year or was playing better than both of those guys this year but if you're looking at a five-year trend Chris Paul is was you know he's he's just one of the most underrated players of his generation, a, hall, a, a surefire Hall of Famer, Russell Westbrook um, an annoying fella but a very talented one so Harden's teammates probably better than Dame, I think. And Kawhi, you know, played with the Spurs and played on a really talented Raptors team and is a much better defensive player than Damian Lillard. It that matters. Uh playing on the other end matters. I think what the one of the big differences here is that for the most part, these dudes are beyond Harden, like better defensive players than Dame. Steph's arguable, you know, he's he was a he, he made he played on those elite defenses in Golden State when they were at their peak. He's not an elite one-on-one defender. I would argue that now Damian Lillard is a better defensive player than Steph, but it has it wasn't always that obvious. And Dame has taken over these last five years, where the sample size is taken from, a pretty sizable leap. So I don't think I'm not really ready to say the record should be better, but I'm but I think it's notable that there that his that he is in a consistent 50-win type team. I will say that the Blazers roster in general probably hasn't been as competitive as most of these guys on the list. Uh, That is, you can debate that and I would, you could probably make some compelling cases here, but but I know what I believe. So I think in some ways it might be the fault of bad luck. I think, you know, basically until this year, I wouldn't say that Terry Stotts had underachieved as a coach, except for that one season against the Pelicans. And the Blazers were awesome during the regular season. They just flamed, flamed out in the playoffs. So the part where they were really good would not be captured in the in the sort of thought experiment we're doing here. Um, for the most part, I think Terry's overachieved and Dame is overachieved with the rosters that they've had. But um, I think what this thought experiment might force me to say is that Damon Lord is... Uh, 
is pretty clearly a top 10 guy in the league, but maybe has never been a top five guy in the league. And what you are looking at with the rest of the names on the list is all dudes who could have been considered top five dudes in the league. And I think, um, I don't exactly, you know, I don't know if that's a slight. Um, and I don't know if, uh, if you, where you place blame to say, yeah, this dude was like the ninth best player in the NBA. And this dude was like the third best player in the NBA. I just think if you look at this list and you look over the last five years, all these guys uh, on this list with them could be considered one of the five best players in the, in the league at any given time. And I'm, I think Dame has one year over in this stretch where you could, where you could put him in there. And it was last season. So RW, I think in general, um, you you kind of come down harder on on Dame. At least my read from this email, you didn't really offer much uh, editorializing. So maybe I'm just I'm just reading here on based on on some of your questioning. But I, I don't come down that hard on saying that. Yeah, Dame probably wasn't good as the elite elite elites. He's just one of the top ten players in the league and never was one of the top five players in the league. That's kind of what I I think. I don't know that I would have landed as strongly without you putting the numbers in front of me, but I, I, I think you make a compelling case. I think, um, I think this is what we've learned, and I appreciate the chance to do this thought experiment. And I'm, I'm glad that I stretched it out to its own segment because trying to fit this into a mailbag wouldn't have done this sort of, um, wouldn't have let me hash it out the way I wanted to. So appreciate you sending me over the question, sending me over this question. If, if you all are Mailbag Monday contributors and you are people who. Um, send questions to the email. This is generally where they get a little more long-winded because of uh, the character limit on Twitter. I, I would love to break them out. If you do a bunch of research like RW did, this is a perfect, its own segment, maybe even its own show. So what I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone who sends short questions in the, uh, in the way that Larry King is the best interview that's always been. Brevity is how you sometimes get to the key, the heart of the matter. But if you want to go long, um, this, the questions that are going to draw my attention like this are the ones where you do a bunch of research first and make me think. So RW, thank you for doing a bunch of research and making me think. Like I said, Mailbag Monday, we do it every week. It's coming to you soon. I record it on Monday evening, so get your questions in at Mike G. Rich and at LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.